Uh, who who's intro? <laughs> we already figured that out. Me, I'm introing. Yeah. All right. Well, then, fucking intro already. Nah, just for that, I'm not introing. We're going to sit here for two hours in silence. <laughs> Good. Good. We're going to watch Strictly Ballroom again <laughs> as an intro. We're going to watch Strictly Ballroom, and then we're going to watch Looking for Ella Brandy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> More like Bictly Strawl Room. You know what I'm saying? No, I do not. Good one, Josh. Josh, just for that, I will introduce the episode. <laughs> just to get away from that. <laughs> just to clear the air. <laughs> smells funny in here. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Hello, friends and well-wishers. And welcome to a very special episode of your favourite podcast, Untwisted, colon, Around the Twist podcast. <laughs> this week, we've got me, your host, and my loyal sidekick, Maz. Hello. <laughs> and temporary American guests, Josh. I did decide I would show up this week. And Jeff. I'm so sick of being the last one introduced. <laughs> <laughs> you got to show up more often, mate. Maybe we'll promote you beyond guest host. Whatever. Whoa. <laughs> Jeff needs to go to bed. Nah, you're all right, mate. You're you're all right, too. <laughs> if anything, I'm the sidekick. <laughs> We're all sidekicks. Yeah. All right. And this, this week is a very special episode because it is the season one finale around the twist. <laughs> Can you believe it? You believe we made a whole season of a podcast? I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This is an achievement akin to creating a season of television. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're basically Esben Storm. This was definitely as much work as making a TV show. (laughs) Probably more. Yeah, you think you're so good, Paul Jennings? (laughs) No, please come on the podcast. I mean, I haven't seen Paul Jennings make a season of podcast episodes. Just saying. Yeah, Paul. Oh, yeah, that's true, Paul. As if you'd just spend all that time writing a memoir and not be making a podcast. Probably doesn't think it's a real medium. Probably. Doesn't even know it exists. I do want to say, though, we love Paul Jennings, and it would be very funny if he actually does listen to this, because we're always, like, joke shit-talking him. (laughs) Oh, that was a joke? (laughs) And I feel like he being, you know, an older generation would take it very seriously and hate us. (laughs) Imagine if this is the first episode he listens to, and then he hears us being like, oh. And we're like, fuck Paul Jennings. Yeah, and then he immediately turns it off. (laughs) He Googles Untwisted uh, just to see if there's any reviews of his new book. Yeah. Finds us. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it turns out it's just a diss podcast. It's just four people that hate me for some reason. <laughs> Jeremy told me he hates you. <laughs> oh, good one, Mez. High five. <laughs> when you edit that high five, make sure you keep my burp in there. I'll try to remember. No, cut that out. Cut that in. I'll cut your face. <gasps> Kick the axe. Oh, you would too. You're a fucking crazy bitch. <laughs> All right. This is episode 13, Lighthouse Blues. Yeah, the Australian air date was the 18th of November, 1990. Are you sure it wasn't August 26th? (laughs) (laughs) Good callback, Josh. High five. No, Amazon says July 5th, 1990. Well, who are we going to believe? I believe July 6th, 1990 was the UK date. Can't believe you would get caught by that, Jeff. I thought you'd been on this podcast before. Yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey. Hey, it's my first day here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jeff, you, you're doing great. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So someone here has got to have a synopsis for Lighthouse Blues. I do. This episode is based on Lighthouse Blues from Unreal, Paul Jennings short story collection. This is what IMDb says about the episode. Bronson finally discovers the secret of the mysterious music that plays in the lighthouse and meets the ghosts of Nell's family. It's like, spoilers. Yeah, way to spoil it, mate. And also, I like that it suggests that it's just Bronson. It's a Bronson episode. <laughs> I mean, it's the closest thing to a Bronson episode we have gotten in a long time. Mm. I guess that's true. But I mean, it's not like Bronson discovers the ghosts. He meets one of them. He definitely gets more screen time than any of the other main characters in this episode. Any of the other twists, at least. Yeah, he definitely does. They knew that we were missing him. But more than any other episode, this is truly an ensemble piece. True. Indeed. Ensemble. If anything, the real star of this episode is the show around the twist. Whoa. I agree with that. Yeah, nailed it. Didn't even have that written down. It's <laughs> off the cuff. <laughs> this episode is a love letter to itself. Tis. Tis replied on Helga. Tis. A celebration of all things around the twist, I would say. Now, the first thing that you're going to notice when you watch this episode is it's the long-awaited return of... <laughs> 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 Yes. <laughs> Did not go unnoticed whatsoever. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, surely that music wasn't just in Skelly on the Dun. I feel like I remember it being like a round the twist thing. Yeah. So I was so excited when it came back. Me too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this episode feels so deliberately like a callback to the first episode that I almost thought like, did they film these two back to back? <laughs> but there's so many other references to other episodes, like other recurring gags throughout the season that I feel like that can't have been the case. Yeah. Yeah. There were a ton of callbacks backs and i'm sure i missed some of them me too well we'll we'll get him we'll get to him so you get probably our most straightforward intro in a while for the title card lighthouse blues can i have a quick bitch session oh here we go you may no, it just annoyed me because actually without my pants had a very weak slash non-existent title sequence it was just a graphic as the episode started yeah and same here it's just a graphic as this episode starts there's there's no real sequence like all the other ones yeah it's kind of like just an establishing shot with just the title that's right so it makes me wonder did they get lazy and just decide it wasn't worth the effort to do this did they run out of time was it a budget thing time or is it a, a real creative choice where they're just like we're not going to do these elaborate title cards anymore hmm. do you know if the rest of the show do they follow this trend no i'm pretty sure for the rest of the show they have like pretty elaborate titles or not like every episode i guess but i definitely remember other ones don't get my hopes up jeremy you're gonna call them lazy because they're not me Meeting the standard that they created. Yes. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. They set expectations through 11 episodes for really awesome title cards. Maybe they just ran out of money. Oh, yeah, true. Maybe they ran out of time. 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 Like Jeff said. I mean, it's very possible the behind the scenes info that we've read kind of indicates that there was a lot of shit going on for this final episode. Yeah, it did sound like the writing was a bit last minute. Yeah, it seems like everyone was stressed, or at least the, you know, the producers and writers were stressed. Yeah, they're like PJ didn't know how he was going to adapt it until like right at the last minute. Mm. Well, I, for one, like the simplicity of this title card. I like the shot of the lighthouse. It's very nice. I like the like white and blue stuff 
stylized title. Feels very classic to me. Yeah, I think it's appropriate for like the finale to be like just, you know, it's just like a shot of the lighthouse and, you know, the iconic coastline. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be okay with it if it hadn't been for Without My Pants. Yeah. Yeah. Without my pants. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what without my pants was. It was Nell pulling down exactly. a poster. Exactly. <laughs> Unmemorable, Josh. Yeah, it was Nell ripping down the poster of the whatever the fuck that event was going to be. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that was my bitch session. I'm over it. Let's move on. Oh, bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> So we start off with Linda, Bronson, and Pete uh, spying. on the stairs looking through the railings. Just spying, doing a little spying. Yeah, and Faye and Tony are drunk. They're drunk. They're fucking wasting. <laughs> I like that the three twist kids are just like spying as as a group. Yeah. As a united front. That's always fun. Yeah. And I like that they're like, they want it to happen. Yeah. I like that they're rooting for Tony, just like the audience is. Yeah. So what is Tony doing here? He's proposing to Faye. Trying to. And am I crazy or does this seem a little sudden? Yeah. Or was there a time skip for this episode? Yeah. You just don't love love, Jeff. <laughs> I absolutely love love. I think this is great. I just. You know, there was a long gap with us watching Without My Pants and now coming to Lighthouse Blues. Almost feels like there was a actual time gap or a time jump in the show. It genuinely surprised me when he started to say, will you meh? And I genuinely thought Faye's reaction was going to be like, uh, what? Were, were we dating? <laughs> yeah. Because like, in my mind, he was working up the courage to officially ask her out. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. I think when, like when, as a kid, you just sort of accept that she's like, she likes him. Yeah. They're, they're like a relationship. Yeah. And so it doesn't seem that weird. But then when you watch it as a grown up, you're like, wait, but it's only been like 13 weeks that you've known each other. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute, man. And you kind of like sort of like each other yeah well this is still the 80s so. have they gone on a single date yeah that's what i want to know um the concert from santa claus was a dream sequence oh yeah that was a dream <laughs> they kissed once and that was dear to the lipstick i don't think they've had a real kiss uh they sat next to each other at the spaghetti pig out oh yeah that's true mm. yeah he pulled his pants down for her yeah he pulled his <laughs> pants down in front of her yeah look they're practically married already yeah true i don't know i i, I this whole time i've really gotten a friends with benefits vibe from them. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very much been a like there's chemistry and we're working towards like at the point we are in the season, it seems like inevitable that they're going to end up going out with each other, but they haven't yet. <laughs> <laughs> they have behind the scenes. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to just accept that, like, their relationship has progressed considerably since that kiss in Lucky Lips. Yeah. They're like, oh, we like each other. That beautiful, non-consensual kiss. Is that the last, like, significant thing that happens between them? Well, because in uh, Noel, he's, like, making a sculpture for her to present somewhere. Right, yeah. And, like, I don't know, I think, you know, that's a lot of trust in him there. You know? You know? Well, you know, I guess he's not getting any younger. She's not getting any younger. They're an older couple. There's not there's much time to waste. They're nearly 40. <laughs> I, can, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, Tony Twist basically is Jeff. Imagine if he started saying that to her. It's like, you know, you, you don't have any kids and there's not a whole lot of time left. <laughs> yeah. Tony's like, your biological clock is ticking. <laughs> uh, so anyway, feminism, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's the conversation we don't see on screen. And Pete, Pete, he, uh, he doesn't have a mother. He doesn't have a mother. He really needs a mother. So there's a good bit where Tony says, you're a man and I'm a woman to her. That's fun. Yeah, that was always good. He says, you're a man and uh, uh, I'm a man. <laughs> you like the lighthouse. It almost sounds like he's saying, you're a male. You're a male. 
Um, yes. Uh, you're a man. I, I'm a man and you're a woman. <laughs> yes, that's true. And uh, you like the lighthouse and I like the lighthouse. Yes. And, um, well, we've, um, <clears throat> we've been through a lot together. Get a classic Linda eye roll. <laughs> yeah, with the, the good old... <laughs> it's everything we've loved about this show, all in one moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then followed immediately by Gribble pretending to love a certain type of music. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yes. Ah, I just love that classical music. It's, it's so musical. <laughs> love that classical music. And the best part about it is that this is the 1812 overture. Yes. Joel told me that. <laughs> Famously used in an episode of Farscape, oh. my other favorite Australian show. <laughs> I feel like this has been used in a million and a half things, so yeah. it's pretty funny. That of course. You just want to bring it to Farscape. <laughs> That's what I want. Any connection. Listen, guys, have you heard of the show Farscape? <laughs> this classical song that everyone has heard on the 4th of July every year for the past 100 years is in it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was an original composition for Farscape, man. <laughs> It absolutely was. It. Yeah, but Gribble, he loves this music. It's so musical. I think it really says a lot about how the show has done its recurring gags that up until this episode, a lot of these recurring jokes, I haven't thought about the idea of them really intending to have them be recurring jokes. They've just felt like character things that have happened mm. multiple times. In this episode, though, it very much feels like, okay, they are very deliberately like trying to hit these like recurring gags and I love it I really appreciate it yeah. oh yeah I kind of felt that like here it feels like it's being deliberately self-referential but every other time it's just like oh Gribble he just always pretends to like a certain type of music yeah and I think that's a credit to how they've executed those gags throughout and I think they've earned the ability to do it this way in this episode because it's the finale yeah yeah true I feel like they did it just enough throughout the season for it to work perfect I absolutely hear what you guys are saying because I noticed the musical thing and kind of thought to myself that it was a running joke but wasn't quite sure if it was intended to be a running joke but it's devolved into self-parody at this point <laughs> and it is hilarious hilarious <laughs> and then you got your classic rabbit crashing into the shed moment just like in every other episode that's just like come on rabbit so how long did they drive with all the kids on bikes and with that loud music did he have to drive really really slowly yeah <laughs> they probably live next door in the first episode they all do they all show up in bikes? like one person's on a dirt bike aren't they yeah i actually rewatched the first episode to see what happened then and it was rabbit on a dirt bike everyone else was in the car uh. it's so weird to imagine rabbit on a dirt bike at this point <laughs> <laughs> i agree yeah. but i swear it happened yeah i'm shocked at this revelation to be honest even though we already watched that episode all right stop recording let's watch the first episode all right should we do a re-rewatch podcast <laughs> after we're done with this we should do a podcast where we listen to every podcast and then talk about it <laughs> Great. oh the gribble henderson amusement park will be your monument <laughs> she means a henderson gribble amusement park don't you dear what a catchy name for an amusement park. Yeah. <laughs> you just think about all the other amusement parks you got in Australia. You got Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Adventure World. You got Dream World. You got Wonderland. You got the best of. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the Shipwreck Coast, you got the Henderson Gribble Amusement Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the one I want to go to. <laughs> 
So we cut back into Tony and Faye, and he's still working his way up to proposing to her. And I love this line here where he's like, you must know how I feel about you liking art as I do. <laughs> the kids laugh at him. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> she's art. He's saying she's a piece of art. She is art. She doesn't have to be a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very awkwardly stated, but that's the point. <laughs> he appreciates aesthetic value. He appreciates Beyonce. We also didn't talk about it, but I really love just when Tony kind of like sidles his way up next to her and kind yeah. of does like the arm wrap around and he's like <laughs> yeah. doing it in the most goofy like drunk way possible. I was like that's a bit creepy. And the look on Faye's face is just like uh what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I love that yes! Yes! <laughs> She's like this has been going on for ages. Yeah. <laughs> and Bronson's like come on, come on come on! I want to go down to the kitchen and get some ice cream. And then right when he's about to ask her Fucking Gribble comes in. Will you? Will you? Ah, Tony! I was like, fuck off, Harold. That's what he should have said. <laughs> Gribble's doing him a favor. He was flailing about. He's a good dude. Yeah, but he was finally about to do it. He wasn't. You know he was going to fuck it up. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Will you manatee, go see manatees with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love when she says, I think I know what you're about to say, and then Tony says, I do. I mean, you do. <laughs> so Mr. Henderson of Henderson International Projects, <laughs> this fucking goofball. Looks like a Indiana Jones villain. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this guy. I feel like they could have had this guy be more menacing and less just like goofy. I don't know. Is he goofy? Yeah, he is. He's pretty menacing. He's definitely, you get the menacing vibe, but he is a little goofy. He's not like the other people that Harold's brought around, like Sarah said in her notes. Yeah, he's not like the, the Texan guy. True. Yeah, I feel like with, with everyone else, Mr. Gribble is under control. I mean, he's trying to impress them in some way by listening to their music, but I feel like he's firmly in control, firmly hustling them to get a deal done. Mm. Whereas in this case, he seems a little scared of Mr. Henderson. He's very subservient to him so it's definitely a different dynamic than what we're used to yeah i mean mr gribble would never put someone else's name before his in an amusement park <laughs> yeah that's how you know that this guy is serious business because right. gribble is gonna put his name second this guy is terrifying he just doesn't come across to me that way he just looks like a fucking silly dude a silly man you silly people <laughs> you silly silly people <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that Gribble has finally found a way to kick the twists out of their house. There's a loophole. Yeah, the only explanation we get for this is I found a loophole in your contract. <laughs> He's had his lawyers looking at it for 13 episodes. <laughs> yeah, he said they've found a loophole and so they've gotten a compulsory acquisition order. But I mean, isn't that the kind of thing that the government can just do? Like, I don't think you need a loophole in your contract because usually compulsory acquisition is like the government acquires the property to build something mm. the loophole is that it says right here a compulsory <laughs> government yeah the loophole is just the law of australia i'll loop your hole the loophole is that the government wanted him to build this amusement park yeah i guess the loophole is that he somehow got public funding to build his amusement park or something yeah he convinced them that he wanted to build something that they cared enough about i guess yeah before he was just going to them being like kick them out and they're like, well, what are you gonna do with the property and he's just like uh, well, 
just kick them out. <laughs> well, it's not going to work because Tony's going to get their solicitor to look at it. Yeah. Yes. I have to ask you guys, what is a solicitor? Is that an Australian thing or is it just like a grown up person thing that I don't know about? I thought it was just like a lawyer type person. I think it basically is like a lawyer. It's like a lawyer, but you call it a solicitor. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why there's so many different names for things. Maybe it's like more of a um, personal lawyer for like. Yeah, I think like it's a specific type of lawyer or something. You're not accused of murder or anything. It's just like you're trying to get general help. So many grown-ups are listening to this right now being like, oh, these fucking... They're like, I'm a solicitor. <laughs> this is what I do. These dumb kids. These millennials. <laughs> these dumb 39-year-old kids. <laughs> Look, I've never needed one. I thought of like a solicitor general, but I don't even know what that is. I don't so know what that is It's either. probably not the same thing. I was just thinking like, I don't know, a sex worker's client. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know what a solicitor is, write to us at untwistedpodcast at gmail.com. Explain to us the nuances of law. Yeah, someone just sends us a link to Google. A solicitor, a person who tries to obtain business orders, advertising, etc. The chief law officer of a city, town, or government department. And these are North American definitions. Uh, so Jeff, you're just a uh, you're just ignorant. Whoa, shots fired. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. Get wrecked, Jeff. <laughs> at least I bang prostitutes, unlike you. Oh, oh burn. Wow. Right? No, no high five? Okay, never mind. Oh. Are we leaving that in? Yeah, we'll cut that in. <laughs> Please don't. So we can blackmail Jeff. Good. So this is probably the most evil and cold that we've seen the Gribbles so far. Mm. Yeah, I actually kind of saw him as a villain in this episode. Whoa. And I love the guy. It's because he has the confidence of finally, you know, winning. He doesn't have to pretend like he's some kind of goofy boy. Yeah, and he's got the peer pressure from Mr. Henderson, so he has to be really tough. Yeah, Mr. Henderson's breathing down his neck, making sure he's not too nice. Yeah. I think that's it. I think, you know, Mr. Gribble is a good dude, but clearly (laughs) there's somebody that scares him, you know. This evil guy is pulling all the strings and he's powerless to fight back at this point. This Indiana Jones Nazi is (laughs) the only person who scares him. I definitely don't agree that he's a good dude going off this scene, but later in this episode, there was a point where I was actually like, you know what? All those times Jeff was trying to argue that Gribble is a good dude. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Watching this, I was like, oh man, Jeff's going to fucking love this. Yeah. (laughs) We'll never hear the end of it. No, I was very happy to finally be vindicated, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Right now, back to the show. We've got the music. So we get the mysterious music. And by the way, Amazon Prime subtitles refers to this as organ Organ music. music. Organ music. (laughs) Which it is very much not. (laughs) This is clearly like wind instruments, or at least synthesized wind instruments, but it's not an organ. You silly people. (laughs) You silly, silly people. I can hear it. It's It sounds a little organy now that I think about it. Mm. I mean, I suppose in the sense that it was probably played on a synth, which is a keyboard like an organ. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But it's not an organ. How <laughs> organic. I like that Bronson is like... Who's playing that music? It's the ghosts. One night they nicked my muesli bar. They'll get anyone who moves in here. My music bar. Yeah, quick thinking. Yeah, get him, Bronson. Also, there's a nice little shot of Nell looking up like she knows. Yeah, she smiles. She's like, them's my peeps. Yeah, she's starting to look sad here. Which is like, why does she ignore it for so long and pretend that she doesn't hear it all the other times? Yeah, I don't know. In the story, the lighthouse keeper actually can't hear the music. Only visitors to the island can hear the music. Oh, okay. But he knows that, like, something's up there. Something is not right. Something is not right. <laughs> What's a muesli bar? 
bar. Um, what do Americans call it? Like a granola bar or something? I don't know. No, we call it muesli. It's just that oat and nut mix. Yeah. Yeah, it's like oats and like fruits and stuff. You've never had muesli in your life? Never heard of this. <sighs> you motherfucker. <laughs> when I Google it, it says it's a UK thing. UK thing. Goodness. Well, it says it's called a flapjack. What? what? Isn't a flapjack like a pancake? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. It does say yeah, muesli blah flapjack. What the fuck? What the fuck? That's that's not what a flapjack is. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I guess Americans probably call it granola. Though. Yes. I've heard that on American TV. Same. But apparently Jeff has heard this before. So I mean, I've never had an actual muesli bar. I've had granola bars. I've had non-bar muesli. I mix it with my yogurt. Have a very healthy and filling breakfast. It's not the same unless you have it in bar form. Putting food into bar form unlocks its awesome power. <laughs> <laughs> One time I forgot to put it in the fridge. It dried into a bar. It was delicious. Well. Now I want one. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> anyway, for no good reason, Mrs. Gribble decides to go up with Bronson and no one else. Yeah, like the Gribble boys are like talking about it, but then they don't go up. Yeah, like the two Gribble boys are ready to go. And then Gribbs is like, nah, and they stop. Nah, mom will do it. It's a con. Mrs. Gribble is just curious. She's like running after him. But guys, Mrs. Gribble's body language is so funny. Her <laughs> eye roll, her little jaunt up the stairs. Ooh really cracks me up. Yeah, I feel like this whole episode really just seemed like Judith McGraw was just having the best of fun. Yeah. Being... (laughs) This crazy gribble. You crazy gribble. Yeah, she really gets to ham it up in this episode. Yeah. Of the oh, not so fast child. <laughs> I think her best moment of the season comes up in just a minute. Oh yeah, it's coming. I think my favorite line in the episode is right here. Bronson says ghosts are shy. Ghosts are shy. And she says they're merely a figment of a warped imagination. <laughs> and Bronson goes, Ghosts are shy. <laughs> that might be one of my favorite jokes of the whole season. Agreed. Yeah, he's great. He's a good cunt. <laughs> Top cunt. But Mrs. Gribble screams in fear, runs away. She looks disgusted initially. She's like, oh. Rising damp. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hates that room. She's got a glove in her face. When we start to see Bronson, he comes out of the room. We start to see this little girl ghost. And there's a little bit of music from Cabbage Patch Fib. Oh, interesting. I didn't make that connection. Damn. That little burp, 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 burp. Yeah. That's from Cabbage Patch Feed. You're right. See, I knew there were some callbacks that I missed. Good catch. Yeah, I nailed it. Is this ghost girl in anything else? Because she looks kind of familiar. Not really. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I figured when I looked her up, I was like, oh, she must just be familiar from this. <laughs> but then you've never seen this before. No. I thought she looked kind of familiar, but I thought, yeah, it was from this. Her name is Kamara Stowers. So. Hmm. I feel like she had to have been in The Shining or something. <laughs> the Shining. <laughs> Such a familiar looking ghost girl. <laughs> Let's see. Her credits on IMDb are Mull. Round the Twist, Phoenix, and State Coroner, Goodness. which all seem to probably be Australian things. She became a state coroner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a TV show, apparently. So we find out that this ghost girl has been spying on Bronson. Yeah, she's like, I often watch you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little creepy man. You eat all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> Bitch. I feel like she's she's an audience surrogate. Yeah. Bronson is funny. He eats all the time. Okay. <laughs> and he accuses her of taking his muesli bar. She's like, fuck off. Yeah, she's like, 
Fuck off, cunt. We never find out what did happen to his muesli bars, so I'm guessing that she really did, but she doesn't want to fess up. I mean, probably one of the rabbits ate it. Well, probably he ate it and he just forgot. <laughs> You're always doing this to me, stealing my muesli bars and saying you don't know me. <laughs> you always do this to me. <laughs> Can I have my muesli bar back now, please? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're a bit fucked in the head, mate. What's your fucking problem, mate? <laughs> That's exactly how this interaction between Bronson and the ghost girl goes down. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so she says that ghosts want spiritual food, and he goes, what's that? And she says, uh, It's called Breeze on Your Cheek, The Kiss of the Morning Dew, Smile of a Daffodil in Spring. Huh, beautiful. And he's just like, huh, I've never had me ghost food. <laughs> yeah. Is it any type of food he's desperate to try? Yeah. Yeah, I love that she explains what ghost food is, which is not actual food. And yet, all throughout the episode, he's still asking about it. Yeah. yeah he still thinks that it's going to be food. Can I have some ghost food? All he can think about is the fact that there's food that he could have, potentially. Yeah. Oh, Bronson. If you say the word food... Off he goes. We cut downstairs to Gribble Jr. talking about the water slide that's going to run from the top of the lighthouse right down to the beach. Pretty dope. They better have that next season. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting some uh, shades of Schlitterbahn here. I have a feeling there's going to be a terrible accident <gasps> with that water slide. Oh my. Well, you know, Henderson, he's he's a shady guy. Well, Henderson doesn't want this water slide at all. No, Mr. Henderson wants to get rid of the lighthouse. Yeah, but you don't know that yet. <gasps> Spoilers! No, I'm just <laughs> We don't know that yet. Come we on. don't know that yet. All right, cut that out. <laughs> Chop it! And here we get... Mrs. G. Yeah, Matron Gribble's shining moment. The line of the episode. And if you don't put that sound clip in the episode, I will straight up murder you. Because it is so good. A terrible, horrible apparition. Ghosts. And you think we're crazy. Ghosts are a figment of a warped imagination, darling. Now I've heard you say that many, many times. That's right, I did. I'm sure I saw a tiny little ghost. I'm going to put as many Matron Gribble clips in this episode as possible. Yeah, she's pretty great this episode. There's another one later. I'm watching it just looped right now. Horrible apparition. Horrible apparition. I'm sure I saw a tiny little ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much every line of hers from this moment is gold. I love how this was, you know, Matron Gribble, she knew it was her final episode and she's like, I'm going to give it every damn bit of effort I have. She actually collapsed. She dropped dead right after the filming <laughs> of this episode. She gave it everything. <laughs> Literally everything. So she was a ghost on All Saints? Maybe she was, Mance. Maybe she was. If you want to learn more about this case, subscribe to our mysteries podcast. <laughs> our untwisted offshoot. Unsolved television mystery. <laughs> Australian TV mysteries. <laughs> I like that we get this tidbit that uh, the ghosts are a figment of a warped imagination is something that she said before. I've heard you say that many, many times. Many, many times. I do love that she just talks about it with everybody. Yeah, why is she always saying that? I guess because she lives in Port Naranda where there's ghosts everywhere. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. Now the boys go up there. Yeah, why? Because Rabbit and Tiger were ready to go up and then Gribbles is like, nah, it's a con. He was probably scared. And then Bronson and Matron Gribble go up there, but... But Rabbit and Tiger are like, oh, no, we better we better not disobey Gribbs. Best not, eh? Best not. Can't do anything without him. So we find out that um, Sarah isn't supposed to let Bronson or anyone see them or her. Is this Sarah who does notes for us? That's what I was going to say. So why did she show up in the first place then? I did wonder that. It's a big moment. They're going to fucking tear down the lighthouse or some shit. <laughs> 
Oh, wait, she doesn't know that yet, so... Yeah, I know. There's no reason for her to suddenly show up at that moment. No, she's just crushing on Bronson. <laughs> yeah, she's just... She just can't take it anymore. She's like, I've been watching you. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I must be corporeal. <laughs> Look, if you saw Matron Gribble overacting, wouldn't you appear just to see her reaction? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. She's gonna act like that over normal, everyday stuff. What if she sees me, a ghost? <laughs> Rising death! And man, it paid off. Mm-hmm. Horrible apparition! <laughs> I'm sure I saw a little girl. <laughs> Let's make a song with that. Make a nice disco song with those clips. <laughs> yeah, make a remix. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Gribble gets in a very mean dig here. Fucking Gribble. Where uh, the ghost disappears and they're like, where's the ghost? And Bronson's like, it's just me here. And he goes, yeah, and after tomorrow, you, you won't, won't even be, be here. here. And that's the moment where I said, fuck you, Gribble, to the TV. Let's kill him. And I agree with you there. I, I think his son has always been a shit. It's Mr. <laughs> Gribble that I think is deep down a good dude. And you know, you can't help how your kids turn out. You certainly can't. As parents, we're powerless. <laughs> we're powerless. <laughs> Alright, mate. Which one of your kids is a murderer? All of them. <laughs> So we actually get some genuinely good Pete guitar playing in this episode. Fuck yes. Pete is amazing in this episode. Don't worry, mate. That'll stop them. They couldn't throw us out, could they? Yeah, I didn't check to see if this was the actual song. He's playing like a slow version of the the twist song from later on in the episode. Oh, oh I didn't realize. I didn't make that connection. It's like the same two chords as the the twist song, but we'll get to that. I really like the way it sounds here, slowed down. It's like I love the vibe that it gives a scene where they're all kind of commiserating, and it's he's just kind of playing this like somber song. Yeah, at first I thought it was just like the score for that scene for that moment. Same. And then we see it's actually Pete playing guitar. Pete. There's such a a wonderful sense of finality in this whole episode. Yeah, it's really great. And that's one of the things, like when I hear that somber music and I see that Pete's playing it, it's a callback to previous episodes where he's played the guitar, but it also just gives the episode just a real good feeling. Yeah, I feel like it has all the hallmarks of like a great season finale or even a series finale since, you know, they didn't think there was going to be another season. Yeah, you do get that sense that like they were like, oh, this is just a one season show and then it's done. That like the way that they're treating it in this episode does kind of feel like that. Yeah. Which is sad. They should have expected to do it forever and ever yeah. with the same <laughs> cast and never change. <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> I know. I wish Australian TV could be more like American TV and I wish they would have just run this show into the ground with the <laughs> same cast. Yeah. Uh, I want to see season eight where Rodney McLennan is an alcoholic and still trying to play a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Desperately wants to get out of his contract but they won't let him. <laughs> do you think that they would have aged the characters though? Like season eight maybe Rodney McLennan goes to high school. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Like Pete and Linda go off to uni. Who am I going to muck around with? Yeah. <laughs> he takes a drag from a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his little flask there. Poor <laughs> uh, Bronson. So Tony comes in and he's like, a solicitor says there's nothing we can do. And he says, this will be the Gribble Wild World Amusement Park. And it's like, that's not what. <laughs> so they've retold the name a little bit. Yeah. They've made it a little more exciting. Oh, no, he says Gribble Whale World Amusement Park. Oh. What world? Whale. What? Whale. Is it going to be a water park? I mean, yeah. They talked about water slides. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, it's on the coast, and there's probably good whale watching. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, that's true. Oh, I get it. I get the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they going to have a whale-shaped bathroom at some oh, point? Oh, the whale-shaped yeah, toilet. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That was a good callback, Tony Twist. Yeah. 
He's like, what about my kids? And I wrote down, what about my man? And I can't remember if it's Joel or my friend Candace who pointed that out from the X-Files movie. There's a guy at the beginning and he's like, what about my man? And it's just a weird way that he says it. So (laughs) it's stuck in my head. Someone pointed it out. Well, Tony hasn't thought about all the hamburger joints and pizza parlors. (laughs) How dare he? Yeah, I mean, this this is tough. And even though this is the most villain-like Mr. Gribble has gotten, you can tell he cares about the town he wants to bring economic prosperity to the town mm. yeah because he'll profit uh, the twists aren't just having their home taken away you know without any compensation they're getting a fair price for the home and mr gribble is offering you, to no. sell him stop. a very cheap house stop this horrendous <laughs> stop ruse this. jeff <laughs> whatever yeah get him out of here <laughs> it does lead to a very good gag with him showing some sympathy and mentioning that he himself has a son a very sensitive lad a very yeah. sensitive lad very sensitive and then cut to Gribbs. Get fucked. Don't come crying to me. I wouldn't help you if I could. What a dick. What a prick. Look, Tone, don't think I haven't got sympathy for you. I've got a son, very sensitive lad. I get lost. Don't come crying to me. I wouldn't help you if I could. Rabbit says they're going to go back to the big smoke where they belong. Yeah, what is that? Can somebody help me out? I assume that means the city. Yeah, the city. Oh. Because it's so, like, polluted. <laughs> Because remember at the start of the first episode, they say about coming from the big smoke. I don't remember that, but good callback, I guess. I didn't realize that wasn't a, an American saying. I guess there's the big apple. The, the big apple. <laughs> I'd kind of forgotten that the twists came from the big city. They're mad city suckers. Because they don't play that up a lot with the other townsfolk being country people and the twists being city folk. Yeah. It's not like the Goosebumps episode we reviewed <laughs> where they made a real clear distinction between between these kids are wussy city kids and, you know, the scarecrow walks at midnight. There's a poster for Cocktail behind them. And a poster's for Die Hard. So this is a Christmas episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it is November when it gets released. <laughs> Can you call it a Christmas episode if it aired in November? Yeah, because it takes place when Die Hard came out. Therefore, <laughs> it is a Christmas episode, guys. Let's have stupid internet arguments. Yeah, but is this when it came out or is that a video shop and this is when it came out on video? Think about that, Jeff. Shut up. Just shut up, all of you. (laughs) Shut up, shut up, shut up! You all go back to the big smoke where you belong. No, you! So after the encounter with Gribble, they go and see Nell because they're like, Nell, you know what's up. Nell, look, mate. And she's always pretending she doesn't know anything. By the way, we transition to an image of the lighthouse here and the Amazon subtitle during this transition says cheerful music. (laughs) Is it? Is it really? This is pretty eerie, very <laughs> unsettling music. Goodness gracious. Yeah, these kids are confronting Nell about the lighthouse ghosts. Yeah, they're like, enough is enough. Nell once again insists that she doesn't know anything about it. I wouldn't know. But uh, they cajole her a little more and she admits yes. They say if we lose the lighthouse, then we'll all lose the lighthouse. And she admits. You know who they are, don't you? It's my father, my mother. My brother Tom and my little sister Sarah. What happened to them? Oh, Mum and Dad and Sarah went down in the Lady Bay disaster. 
So Australians, my question to you, is that a real thing in Australian history? Now, I googled Lady Bay disaster and... Oh, did you? So did I. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. All I found was the Greycliff disaster, which was when two ferries crashed in Sydney Harbour in some year that I can't remember. 1927. So yeah, I mean, that is an Australian thing. That could be what he's referring to. Yeah, I don't know why, like in none of the stuff that I read, did it refer to it as the Lady Bay disaster. I don't know why it came up. Well, the second result that I got was the Rodney disaster. Oh my. Which, I don't know. I hope that doesn't have anything to do with Rodney McLennan. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read anything about it, but I'm assuming that's what it is referring to. <laughs> A disaster with all the props he was supervising. Yeah. I know. That's right. Maybe the disaster is that he didn't continue to be Bronson after season one. <laughs> that is truly a disaster. That is. Well, this is another reference to some kind of horrible disaster happening right off the coast of this lighthouse. Well, I know there's the one in Know All. Yeah, Know All and Without My Pants. That's right. Well, it's the shipwreck coast. Mate, there's going to be a lot more disasters off the coast of the lighthouse. Oh my. Don't you don't you worry. Actually, it reminds me of the uh, behind-the-scenes tidbit we just read about, I guess it was referring to Noal when they were pulling in the treasure chest. Oh yeah. The scene was originally supposed to have Bronson in the water helping them, but they were worried he would get swept out to sea. So they had to keep him on the shore, and that's, that's why they created a gag where he's just telling them what to do. Yeah. You can do it! But yeah, I really do like this low of all these like shipwrecks yeah. off the coast here and that's why there are all these ghosts it's pretty great pretty cool Millhouse. so Nell says that she and Tom were away at the time that her parents and Sarah died and then obviously we know that Tom died you know sometime in the last however many years now or eventually yeah he was the last lighthouse keeper for this show and then she says she's been trying to contact them for years because she knows that you know they're up there playing music but she says the living and the dead don't mix uh she never got to say goodbye. I was going to ask you what the hell she was saying. Women and semen don't mix. Because <laughs> the Amazon sub- subtitles, the Amazon subtitles said they live in the dead Dunwicks. <laughs> yeah. Pardon. I had to Google Dunwicks and I couldn't find anything conclusive. Yeah, I also had no idea. Yeah, I don't think that's even a word. <laughs> But it sounds like a word. It sounds like an Australian word. Yeah, it sounds like it could be a region. Dead Dunwicks. It's like your word for like purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to contact them, but But they're they're in in the the dead dead Dunwicks. Dunwicks. They're trapped (laughs) in the Dunwicks. (laughs) My grandson died in the tip and now he's in the dead Dunwicks. I've been trying to contact them for years, but they're living in the dead Dunwicks. Never did get a chance to say goodbye. Uh, Bunny Brooks is acting here and in this whole episode is amazing. It's so good. Yeah, I was going to say that she really like shines in this episode. I feel like most of the emotional impact of this episode is just her reactions to and talking about her dead family. Yeah. And it's mostly just like face acting. Yeah. Really great, sad expressions, like kind of tearing up. Yeah. She just has a real just genuine feel to her facial movements in this episode. And the kids are like, wow. Wow, Nell has feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just like sorrow. There's like a warmth to it as well, yeah. where it's like a nostalgia. Regret and pain. It's really great. You done good, Bunny Brook. You done good, darling. We'll miss ya. <laughs> yeah, we'll miss ya. Oh, daddy boy. <laughs> Spoilers, come on. <laughs> 
So we cut to later, they're on the lighthouse balcony area watching everybody come in to possibly destroy the lighthouse. These horrible yellow jumpsuited goons. Yeah. And they talk about blocking the front door, which cements themselves as the hippiest hippies to ever hippie. <laughs> can't get us out if we block the door. Yeah, but they can starve us out. Oh, yeah, and then there's this great scene of, of, like, you know, Pete playing guitar and then Linda doing her martial arts. It's like that scene in, in Skelly on the Dun. In the first app, yeah. yeah. Pete's guitar playing is great and a callback to him doing it previously. Linda does judo, which is a callback to her doing it previously. Bronson has his bunny, but Dad is feeding the fish. Have we seen those fish before? I don't really remember them. Yeah, that's what I wrote down. I was like, wait, how long did they have these fish? <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen them, but, like, in the background. Or maybe we just saw that those that weird tank was there. I don't know if we saw the fish. Yeah, like it looks familiar, but I don't know. So this really does feel like when they were putting this episode together, they like watched the first episode again, like specifically chose callbacks to do. Yeah, they were like, we should try to recreate this thing from the first episode. Give it this kind of very uh like full circle, the full circle. Thing. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, full square. I like Bronson with the bunny on his chest saying, "Wherever I go." There'll be a place for you. Okay, Jesse? <laughs> Bless him. What is Pete playing? I know this. So I, what is this? This could be our last night in the lighthouse. Uh, in the credits, it just says Spanish Guitar Piece by Pete Twist. Oh, it's, a, it's not by Pete Twist. It's a real song. <laughs> Does it really say by Pete Twist? Well, well it says it says performed by Pete Twist. Oh. It doesn't say written by. As performed by Mr. Pete Twist. Wait, that, that doesn't make sense to credit it that way either, though. Does it? Oh, no, because Pete Twist isn't performing it. Right. <laughs> Is it actually Sam playing the guitar? Do you think he's actually playing this? Well, I don't know. It's Pete Twist, apparently, according to the credits. It just says Spanish guitar piece performed by Pete Twist. It does look like he can play this song because the fingerings he's doing yeah. and the motions he's doing with his fingers, like that's genuine like finger picking technique. So get the feeling that he really knew how to play a nylon string guitar. I mean, he plays in like bands and stuff now. So, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you should do your research. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like that whenever he's playing, that it is him. I feel like you can usually tell when there's like an overdub. It kind of always seems like he's playing. I think it must be overdubbed here, though. I think he's really playing it, but I think the music is overdubbed because when it pans up, it does not look like he's still playing. I mean, in this scene, it seems like it, but there are other scenes, like in other episodes, where it seems like that, that he might actually be playing it in the scene, oh, like okay. sound wise. Like, it sounds like the room. But anyway, now we a Spanish guitar piece turns into lighthouse music. And then another terrible apparition. <laughs> terrible apparition! You said you wouldn't spy on me. He's like having a really personal moment with his rabbit. Yeah, he's trying to fucking have a moment here. Sarah's hassling him out. <laughs> yeah. And Bronson goes from immediately being upset and then a split second later. Hi! You said you wouldn't spy on me. Did you bring any ghost food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bronson. She's got all the goss. Yeah. Ghost brings the goss and says that Mr. Henderson is planning on demolishing the lighthouse. <gasps> this bitch is like, there's nothing we can do. And it's like, but in the end, it is what you do, idiot. Yeah. But they need help doing it. Well, she can't, but the parents need to do it. Yeah. At that point, she doesn't know that she can leave the lighthouse. I love Bronson's, like, the face he makes right after she disappears. He's just like, 
<laughs> this is something I meant to ask earlier. When the ghost tells Bronson not to tell anybody that she appeared because she can get into terrible trouble. I mean, what kind of punishment could a ghost parent administer to a ghost girl? Yeah. <laughs> They just smack her. Maybe they'll make her alive again and she'll have to suffer the ravages of age. <laughs> Behold! <laughs> Maybe they'll send her to the Dunwicks. Yeah, they'll send her to the dead Dunwicks. Yeah. Banish her to an eternity in the dead Dunwicks. Fair enough. Oh, Pete's got his star jumper on again. Oh yeah, it looks like he does. When did he last have that? I don't remember this. I believe he had it on Without My Pants. Uh. I love this. <laughs> the gribbles and Nell's like... Doors open. Oh. I knew I could smell something. Ah, it's a lovely day, boy. <laughs> Good one, Nell. Get him, Nell. Get him, get him. Mr. Gribble is pretty brutal in this scene. Yeah, Tony says we're not going, and Gribble says, I hope you're not going to make trouble. No one will support you in this. And then Mrs. Gribble, of course, <laughs> doing her Gribble. thing, getting right in Bronson's face. Bronson, you did see it, <laughs> didn't you? I did see a spectre, didn't I? Yeah, he's like, who are you? Linda says the locals support us, and Gribble says the locals will do what I tell him to do. <laughs> he has a lot of power for a real estate agent. No, he's mayor of the fucking... He's the mayor? Are you serious? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the first episode, he says he's shy president or some bullshit. But earlier in this episode, Tony says... But look, Harold, you're the mayor of Port Miranda. You set this up. Look, you'll get a fair price. What? I noticed that too. I remember a subtitle saying something about a mayor and I disregarded it because it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, it was when they were first coming in. I don't believe this. Which does, I'm pretty sure like going forward in subsequent seasons, it's like a thing that he's the mayor. Yeah. Well, I don't accept it. I wish they would have had one episode showing the election. <laughs> that would have been a great episode. I wouldn't have accepted those election results. <laughs> <laughs> Will you commit to a peaceful transfer of power in Fort Naranda, Josh? Well, we'll have to see. I'm not going to say yes, but I'm not going to say no. Harold Gribble is the law and order candidate. Okay, fine. We accept it. Gribble is the mayor for some reason and a real estate guy. He basically runs he, he runs the town. He runs and owns the town. He does seem very involved in the community. Anybody can be mayor. Even me? No, not you. <laughs> anyway, Gribble says, The locals will support us. The locals will do what I tell them. All they care about is the lighthouse. They don't care about who lives here. They certainly don't care about the twists. Brutal. Rude. Which is pretty, pretty hectic, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, that was rough. I, I have no defense for him there. I think that was too mean. <laughs> gone too far. But Bronson knows that, in fact, Henderson is going to knock the lighthouse down. Yeah, he lets it slip. Bloody Bronson. And everyone's like, what are you talking about, mate? Yeah, they're like, nah, you're just a little kid. You, you don't know nothing. <laughs> you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. If a ghost told you to keep a secret, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I haven't really thought about it. And then, yeah, uh, Nell grills him on which family member it was. Yeah, he's a great performance. As if, like, her parents would have talked to him. Like, of course it was the sister that was, like, around his age. Bloody Nell. Yeah, but she doesn't know the dynamic of the ghosts. Come on. <laughs> but they're her family. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't know who's going to break the rules. Obviously the little kid. Maybe she would think that her father would be like caring about the lighthouse so much that he'd be like fuck this i'm talking to the kid yeah I mean, her brother Tom wasn't even guessed. So, I mean, she knows Tom well enough to know he wouldn't have broken this code. But mom, dad, maybe. 
So Pete's like, maybe the ghosts will help us. And she's like, no, they won't come out. The only thing they like is music. 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 And muesli bars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bronson. So in the book of this story, the ghosts never actually like reveal themselves the main character can see where they are by they pick up the the instruments and they're invisible and he has to just convince them to come out of the lighthouse and like hold the instrument so he knows where they are and also they start to get blown out to sea when they come out of the lighthouse and he has to like try and save them but he can't because obviously they're ghosts and he can't touch them (laughs) and so they crawl along the ground while holding the instruments and get back to the lighthouse that makes a lot of sense it's pretty cray it would have (laughs) been funny to see on screen yeah also, does Nell not play an instrument and Sarah? Everyone else has one. Yeah, it seems like Sarah just watches and enjoys it. She just yeah. she keeps the vibe up for the band. She dances. She's the hype man for the band. Yeah, she's the manager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and we see the return of Tony Twist's bagpipes. Yeah, return of the bagpipes. Yo, bagpipes. Which episode were they, they in? They know they need music. First step is for dad to get the bagpipes. Yeah, I love when... <laughs> I love when Nell takes the bagpipes off him and he's like, I thought you said they were Scots. They are. That's how they know what a good bagpipe sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) Very good. Poor Tony. But to answer Josh's question, it was a good tip for ghosts. Yeah, a good tip for ghosts. He found it in the tip. And then I think he brought it out for one more episode. I think he was impressing Faye with it. But I don't remember which episode that was. Yeah. Someone should look into that. So now the kids are going to play some music. Pete's like, all right, I got one for you. Oh, yeah. Here we go. And he's like, everybody hates you. Everybody wishes that you were dead. <laughs> Peter, you suck. Oh my. Peter, you suck. <laughs> Peter, you don't do anything about you. <laughs> there you go. That's my reference. Go see a psychiatrist. I hate the psychiatrist. Well, go see one anyway. I don't like the psychiatrist. You need to go see one. Strange things happen in this family, it seems. <laughs> things that only ever happen in dreams the song slaps quite frankly the song fucking slaps yeah this this song is fantastic let us try something strange things happen to this family it seems things that only ever happen in dreams they happen when you're going around the twist stop going around the twist stop So this song is amazing, and it annoys me that we didn't hear all the lyrics, because we cut to Matron Gribble coming into the house. What a fucking break and enter, dick. And you can kind of hear it in the background, but you can't make out any words. They should have released, like, a soundtrack that included this song. I can't believe they didn't. Like, the, the soundtrack is so good. Yeah. The best thing about this song that they sing is the fact that all three kids know the words, so clearly, like, this is a song that they've written together. Yeah, they, they practice it. <laughs> like, this isn't off the cuff from Pete. Well, like, yeah, like, Pete, um, because he is, he seems to be a musician, so he probably has written these sorts of songs and like the others have joined in yeah they've obviously like played it together yeah but really I mean, my... the best part is clearly tony's dancing <laughs> yeah tony tony getting into it yes god damn it josh <laughs> sorry sorry josh. did i send my notes to everybody <laughs> in the shot of like the the wide shot of all of them tony in the background really getting into it <laughs> he's like snapping and bobbing yes <laughs> it looks like he's like conducting it at one point and then at the end he splays his arms you know as if he was part of this yeah 
Ta-da. <laughs> yeah. But of course, he was not part of this at all. <laughs> Nell hates it, though. I, I'm a little shocked. Yeah, she's, she says it would scare anyone to death. Well, she makes a good point. She's like, they don't know your music. Yeah, she's you're too young. Yeah, too young. You don't know the music that they like. Which, I mean, that's true. They are like 100 years old. Au contraire. Linda's got it. Linda knows what to do. Yeah, Linda knows what's up. And Pete. No, she tells Pete to. Yeah, she whispers something in his ear. He knows how to play the song, though. It's true. Yeah, he's a fucking, he's a good cunt, that Pete twist. Slenda just starts singing, uh, you know, the middle of Danny Boy, and she can fucking sing. Holy cow. She got some pipes. It's almost as if she's the one who sung the theme song. She's got the pipes. The pipes. The pipes, the pipes. This is my funeral. You're talking about some guy called Danny Boy. Hooey boy! Seriously, this is a this is a genuinely beautiful moment. Yeah. And when I really love the reveal that the music, the mysterious music we've been hearing all along was Danny Boy. Was Danny Boy. It like yeah. starts in and syncs with their playing. It's a fantastic reveal. It's so good. And it's a thing that I always forget every time I rewatch this that it turns out to be this song. I actually had a snarky note written wow. about how this song that the ghosts play is not Danny Boy. <laughs> and then I listened to it, I'm like, actually it might be. <laughs> Was it really Danny Boy this whole time? That's crazy. This is such a great, like, shot of Nell when they start appearing. She's so fucking good in this episode. Yeah, yeah. just straight up crying, seeing her family. I yeah. like that she's like, Mom, Dad, and they just smile yeah. at her and kind of give her a nod. But meanwhile, Sarah's just like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're old, They're older. They're more reserved. Mm. Yeah, they're Irish, so. No, they're Scottish, mate. <laughs> or no, they're Scots, whatever they are. We're going to get so much hate mail now. Thanks a lot, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, cut that in. <laughs> they're Scots. They're very... Uh, serious. But uh, Matron Gribble ruins it by storming in. Comes in, ruins it. Ghosts disappear. She ruins nothing. Her coming through the door is amazing. Just the absolute <laughs> enthusiasm. <laughs> the pouty way she says, Where are they? Where is the spectre? <laughs> she must have just had so much fun doing, like, in this episode. Like, she's clearly the person who's having the most fun. Yeah, and I feel that way every time she appears in the show, but especially this episode. It's like somehow she she amped it up even more than usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just delightful to watch. It's very good. What's that noise? What is happening? I don't know. One of these kids. Is someone putting a vacuum to the mic? Probably. Probably. Jeff, did you just suck your own dick off? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Great. Not all the way off, but it's hanging by a thread. <laughs> hanging by a thread. No, what are you hearing? I don't hear shit. Yeah, I didn't hear anything. We heard like a... Ma- yeah, Maz heard it. Yeah. Me and I heard it. Me me and I heard it. <laughs> me and I heard it. Uh, Maz and I, me and I. <laughs> Me, myself, and Irene. I basically consider Maz to be an extension of myself. So. <laughs> Anywho. But yeah, I don't know what that was, but it was very strange. Yeah. The ghosts. It was the lighthouse ghosts. Maybe, I wonder if it'll show up on the recording. Editor's note, it does not. It only came through in the Discord chat audio that we heard while we were recording. Fascinating stuff. Anyway, back to the actual episode. Oh, wait, was it this? 
Yes. Yes. Oh, what the hell is that? That that was just me like scratching the laptop. That sounded nothing like me sucking my own dick. <laughs> it sounded exactly like that, Jeff. Yeah, that sounds like a dick sucking. That's me sucking my own dick. This is definitely the best part of the episode for sure. We can't lose this. Yeah, we're definitely going to leave all this in. Yes. This could be its own bonus episode. Mm. There's 30 minutes of... <laughs> <laughs> Where's the specter? It's a, it's an ASMR episode. <laughs> Just go to sleep to dick sucking sounds. <laughs> uh, we see more of uh, Walt and Jesse getting ready to do their uh, extermination <laughs> meth cooking routine from above. Yeah. Ahoy, twists! This is your last chance. If you don't come down in half an hour, we'll come up and get you. What's your answer? We're not coming out. Well, I will say the only times where Mr. Henderson, I do think he is truly creepy is when we get these top down views of him. Mm. <laughs> Just it's like him looking up and smiling. Yeah, that's a creepy smile. Yeah, the audition consisted of actors coming to the base of the lighthouse, looking up where the producers were sitting. <laughs> and they just said, next. Yeah, this is probably footage from his audition. They should have uh, run some spaghetti down the side of the lighthouse. <laughs> I don't know what that would have accomplished, but they should have done it. <laughs> don't worry, we definitely get spaghetti pig out callbacks later on oh actually like right now so bronson <laughs> says this will be a long siege we'll need plenty of food and the camera pans you know camera cuts to a wider shot and we see canned spaghetti all over the fucking place dun, dun. oh snap i didn't even notice that it was spaghetti i just thought it was like tomato sauce <laughs> or something i mean i think it's spaghetti it's it's a little blurry but no it, it does it definitely look, looks it does like look the same like spaghetti. canned spaghetti from that episode it definitely is yeah i definitely see the word spaghetti yep and i can see a picture of spaghetti as well good catch so Faye and fiona show up to help yeah they come to help because they're good bitches yeah <laughs> and like tony's welding the door shut i would have assumed but then like pete comes in and it's like um were well, you just gonna weld him out of there he's <laughs> just he's welding new locks yeah he's like welding the the bolt on the top of the door <laughs> which seems like you could just like screw the bolt on yeah, <laughs> yeah. he likes welding it makes me feel like a big man it's all he's good at yeah <laughs> i do like that Linda and Fiona are like passing the phone back and forth as if they're doing something helpful. Yeah. But what are they actually doing? They're trying to get votes. Maybe they're calling Mr. Snapper to come down <laughs> and lead a chant. Oh, maybe. Mr. Snapper, we need you to come fight for freedom and democracy. <laughs> He's like, I'll be there immediately. Outrageous. <laughs> democracy manifest. Oh. So we cut to Gribble holding a news conference of some sort. And this is where he has the classic line. Men and women of Australia, this is indeed an historic event for Port Naranda. It's just a pity that there's a few wacko pinko greenies who are trying to keep the lighthouse for themselves instead of sharing it with the wider community. What a prick. Is that something that people say in Australia? Is he referring to like the Green Party? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, greenies is definitely a thing. I don't know what pinkos are, but... Well, pinko means communist. Oh, why? How? <laughs> I'm not sure what the origin of it is, but it's definitely an old-timey way of referring to communists. Yeah, I thought pinko meant hippie. Yeah, I thought pinko just meant like maybe like pink is like technically a girly color and like, oh. I don't know. That's just what I assumed. I don't know. Possibly, but I, I hear it... A lot, as in, you pinko commie. Hmm. Yeah. At least in the US, it's kind of a common expression. This is pinko, a person with left-wing or liberal views. Hmm. Greenie is definitely a thing whenever someone doesn't want 
like trees torn down. Yeah, it's like oh, people are like oh, you fucking greenies. Because as we all know, trees are unimportant. Yeah, who needs trees? And if you don't want them to be gotten rid of, you're a bad person. Who needs the planet to last longer than it already has? <laughs> it's had a good however many million years now. I do think we're missing the greater point that Mr. Gribble is doing this news conference, and then the boys come up and he says, "Not now, boy. I'm on the television." It's <laughs> just one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I didn't even notice that. That's the best. Just imagining a real news broadcast. Yeah, for, not now. Just, <laughs> not now, boy. I'm on the television. I'm voting for that guy. Like, if that really happened in a news conference, that would be such a great moment that would go viral. I would love if that happened. Yeah, that would definitely go viral. Like, Baron Trump's like, Dad, Dad. And he's like, not now, boy. Not <laughs> oh, now, boy. <laughs> I love when he asks, he he sees the, the dynamite and he's like, what are you doing? And then Miss Henderson's like, we're going to demolish the light house you cretin you cretin you cretin and then gribble nods for a second and then he's like wait what (laughs) wait a second (laughs) can't do that the tourists want the lighthouse i don't nah but this is serious my name will be mud you cretin (laughs) (laughs) and then when gribble is like there's people in there and matron gribble's like and ghosts and ghosts and ghosts you should have that woman put down what a prick jeez that's so harsh crazy i know (laughs) jesus fucking settle down mr henderson she's got five diplomas yeah yeah you can't talk to her like that she's got five diplomas if she says there's ghosts then there's ghosts See, now Gribble's a good person. So I love that Gribble grows a spine and stands up to this bully. Yeah, this is Jeff's favorite moment. I love that he defends his wife. And I love that they bring up the fact that she has five diplomas again. <laughs> that was a big moment for me yeah, I love in that. Cabbage Patch Fib, learning that she has all these diplomas. And then he comes up, he says, Tony, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and he rips up the acquisition order right in front of them. I've made a huge mistake. And this is Jeff's favorite moment of the whole show. I'm with you, Tony. I'm with you all the way. And don't get me wrong, I'm not turning into one of those greeny pinkos, but nobody, nobody makes a monkey out of Harold J. Gribble. I was like, I knew it. I knew Gribble was part of the team. Yeah, I knew Gribble was a good guy. I knew it. Now, honestly, I forgot that this happens in this episode. And I also realized that every time I rewatch this show, which is probably about every five years or so, every time I forget that this happens, <laughs> that Gribble <laughs> becomes part of the team for a moment. Yeah. But what happens immediately is that one of the Jesse or Walter characters, <laughs> they just punch through the glass and unlock the new locks that Tony installed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wish since we're doing so many callbacks to previous episodes, I really wish they would have shown the guy just leap through the glass like the scarecrow <laughs> Like the scarecrow. That would have been fucking badass. (laughs) Yeah. Before we go any further, I wanted to point out, one, the fact that when Gribble is asking them to let us in, and he's like, prove it, and he tears up the piece of paper, and like the speed with which Tony rushes to let him in, he's like, that's good enough for me. (laughs) Just like, can't let him in fast enough. Yeah, I think he's trying to open the door just in case he's got like a posse with him. Right. So he can just get him in and then lock it in case it's a double cross. (gasps) Hmm. But yeah, this scene of the yellow jumpsuit guys fighting everyone is quite hectic. Yeah, pandemonium breaks out. And what does Tiger do immediately? Yeah, just great Tiger commentary. Amazing. Because you gotta have a Tiger commentary moment. Yes. If you're gonna have a finale. You gotta. And this is another example of like where the recurring gags have devolved into self-parody. Because this is like so self-aware of like all the other examples of Tiger commentating. It 
it very much like feels like it makes sense for him to be doing it. But this is the first time where it's like, why is he doing this? This makes no sense. <laughs> it's such a serious moment. It just happens when he's nervous. It's very forced, but in the best possible way. And he's just up on the stairs watching it, commentating, and nobody's going for him until <laughs> yeah. the last moment. <laughs> he's brought out a Cornetto. He's using it like a sword. Why is a Cornetto in the fridge and not the freezer? Oh, man. They had to have it ready because it was unwrapped and everything. This moment with Rabbit <laughs> is so good. Rabbit has run scared. Oh, I'm the last bloke. I'm about to be dragged out. Oh, boy. You see the fool like this? Like his buds and rice bubbles have gone up his nose. His tags are falling down. I just love that Tiger continues his commentary even as he's fallen to the floor yeah. being dragged out. <laughs> yeah. And he mentions getting rice bubbles up his nose. <laughs> and I just want to point out to any Americans, rice bubbles is what Australians call rice krispies. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Snap, crackle, and pop. I remember uh, seeing a box at the store and taking a picture because I was so amused by rice bubbles. <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. That's right. I forgot that they're called rice krispies in America. And then we get this sad shot of everything slowly disappearing from inside the lighthouse. Yeah, this is tough. It's tough to watch. That hurts. Because it hurts me. I knew you were trying to make a right, right from, from the start. start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah, make your final checks. And he's got the lighthouse in his glasses. What are we, what are we going to do? We try the music again? Music? Yeah, fuck it. It worked last time. Music! And then Bronson's like, ghost like music. The look on Henderson's face when they start singing, he's just like, ha, oh, fuck these people. Yeah, yeah, he's like, sing all you want. These fucking idiots. He's like, uh-huh. You think some singing's gonna affect me? I wouldn't have heard this without the subtitles, but this guy comes up. I still can't quite tell what they're saying. He says, want me to hose them down? And then he responds saying something about their music, but I don't know why. He says it's only music. Uh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. But you know, having, you know, the climax with the whole town singing could be so cheesy, but it's great. It works. No, it's tear-jerking. It's fucking tear-jerking, mate. It's so good. This is a real great ending, I think. I love the moment where Snapper starts <laughs> to pop everyone up. Yeah. Freedom and democracy! It's so out of left field. That's the thing, I, I just love that just about every character gets a really good final moment. They got everyone in there. Yeah, I love, like, I ha it hadn't occurred to me yet that we haven't seen Snapper until that moment, and I'm like, oh, Mr. Snapper! Yeah. Oh my god, I just want to watch him saying this over and over and over again. The way he does it is so funny. Sing up! Yeah. Raise your voice! <laughs> Freedom and democracy! <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's like been waiting all day to get the chance to say this. He's a passionate drama professor or whatever fucking teacher he is. <laughs> whatever his job is. What's the thing he says next? Support the twists right to be crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the subtitle says support the twists like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Which, which works, but... It works, but it's not as inspirational. Right. I love the idea of him saying that though. Support the twists like crazy. <laughs> the twists like crazy. <laughs> Outrageous fortune <laughs> and then mr henderson starts his countdown what a nell says my family's in there what's left of them five come on guys zero four 
Sarah appears. So we get the typical cheesy 1989 effect <laughs> yeah. of something floating as if a ghost is carrying it. Although if a ghost is carrying it, they must be very unstable. <laughs> yeah. Whoa! A ghost carrying it! Hot potato, hot potato. Yep, they do play hot potato with the dynamite because they put the dynamite in his hand and he starts throwing it around to the goons. We also get a little bit in the credit scenes where we see them standing around throwing it around. Yeah. Like they're playing hot potato for fun. Yeah. <laughs> they're just practicing to get all the shots. But yeah, the, the ghosts float down from the top of the lighthouse. And I really do like that, even though it's not a super impressive effect, it's, it's a nice visual yeah. of them coming down while they're playing their instruments and they just float down to the ground. It reminds me of like in the skeleton on the dunny when the the first ghost we ever meet kind of floats up towards the top of the lighthouse. Dead Ned. Yeah, young Ned. I also like the the little touch that when the ghosts like land on the ground, all the, the actors like bend their knees as if they're landing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta sell it. I like the shot of Nell's mum looking really angry as she violins yeah. at Mr. Henderson. <laughs> yeah. I do love the angry ghosts. Yeah. But my favorite thing is the, the handshake. Really genuine and intense handshake between Tony and Mr. Gribble. Oh yeah, Tony and Gribble. Just makes me happy. It is Aww. It is satisfying. And Nell's face just before that. Yeah, Nell's face to Tom. I like how there's a dog running away as well <laughs> with Mr. Henderson. <laughs> Maybe it's the dog that I saw in that other episode. <laughs> Noel. And Nell finally gets to say goodbye to her fam. Yeah. It really is great hearing all of the cast like singing this song together. It's very triumphant. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the ghosts, they disappear never to be seen again or so we think until the next scene where sarah's still fucking spying on bronson bitch a little pervert yeah a little creepy sarah yeah, i don't know what bronson was doing on the computer but <laughs> <laughs> was he playing solitaire that's what i thought at first like it looks like it but then it's oh is that what you call it looks <laughs> <laughs> like a screen that's like okay or cancel well is it like solitaire but he's got like the settings up in front of it yeah maybe yeah it's something it's some kind of green thing green porn he's adjusting the the solitaire settings he's gonna play on super hard mode yes. yeah. he's gonna play two decks <laughs> so bronson talks to the ghost girl and he, he steals moves from his dad yeah he steals moves from tones starts saying hey sarah yes you're a girl and i'm a boy yes you like the lighthouse and i like the lighthouse yes and we've both been through a lot together yes would you could could i have some of that ghost food <laughs> sure you can her reaction is great. The yeah. subtle face she makes right afterwards. Yeah. It's very sassy. These two's interactions are so cute. Yeah. It is adorable as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me on the cliffs just before sunrise. As if you bother to get up before sunrise. It made me wish we had gone before sunrise oh. <laughs> when we went to the great Australian ocean. It is, yeah, it does look pretty great. I like when Fiona says it's really beautiful and Pete says it always is. Because that's true, Pete. It is always beautiful there at the split point lighthouse it sure is always has been and he points a gun at her head <laughs> it always has been I like that they've invited the Gribbles along because mm. they're friends now, apparently. And also Mr. Snapper is there. So Sarah shows up and Mrs. Gribble's like, I knew it. Yeah. yeah. I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew I wasn't crazy. Which is funny because you just saw like the whole family playing music. Yeah. Everybody saw it. <laughs> yeah. The entire town saw it. I, I never doubted you for a minute, Nick. 
But this is the moment where she realizes she's not crazy. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, she's a silly bitch. I knew I wasn't crazy. Uh, and then she's like, uh, she shows him the ghost food, which is just the sun, sunrise, a gorgeous sunrise. Yeah. And once again, wish the show were high def, because holy shit, I'm sure that was amazing. I like the idea that ghosts eat like nice shit, like sunrises and stuff. Yeah. Or not that they eat it, but they're sustained by <laughs> sunrises and whatnot. Well, they're all having this nice moment and then all of a sudden Sarah like turns into this ghoul and her mouth opens wide and she swallows <laughs> she, the she sun whole <laughs> and everyone's screaming and we end in a world of darkness for the rest of time. <laughs> Josh quit clowning. It's a beautiful sunrise and it prompts Tony to finally pop the question. To which Faye just says, isn't that a lovely sunrise? Yeah, which definitely sounds like something you would say if it's a no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in front of a group of people and you don't want to say no. Yeah, it kind of leaves us hanging there, PJ. What are you doing to us? It's like proposing at a romantic restaurant and she's like, oh, this is a beautiful chicken parm, isn't it? <laughs> Let's change the subject. Yeah. Well, she made him say yes because she was asking him before. She started asking him before. Yeah, maybe he was like, will you marry me? And she's like, well, is that a beautiful sunrise? And he's like, yes. Right. And she's like, there's your answer. Yeah, it seems like it's her way of saying yes. I mean, could have been. Like, she's suggesting that the sunrise is being made more beautiful by the fact that he just proposed to her. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a very nice moment. It doesn't feel like we're being shown him being rejected. You're a very nice moment. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> You're welcome. Clearly the sentimentality of this episode is coming out in all of us. Will you marry me? <gasps> Wasn't this a good episode? Isn't that a beautiful episode, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We get some more romance here with Bronson and Sarah kissing. And Tiger's like, she's about to show him a thing or two. Tiger. Yeah? Shut, Shut up. up. Shut, Shut up. up. That's great. Yeah. It's all a very sweet moment until you realize, you know, Sarah's like 80 at this point. Yeah. <laughs> she was born last century. I mean, I don't know. I was going to bring that up as like, is this age appropriate or not? Because <laughs> she's still a child. Yeah. I mean, she could be stuck like at that maturity level. Like mentally. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm taking from it. I don't know. I was getting some uh, Twilight vibes. Yeah. With... <laughs> yeah. I'm used to that ghost trope of child ghosts who don't mature. It's like she's a kid who's been frozen for a hundred years. They should have had a lengthy scene explaining the rules of these ghosts <laughs> and how they don't age. Yeah, I knew that you would love the fact that Gribble joins the team in this episode, but I, I did notice a lack of the rules being explained. <laughs> That's the only thing keeping this from a perfect third. <laughs> how much did you hate Pete in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is one of Pete's best. All that guitar playing, it was great. He really won you over. And I hope this is the episode he listens to. <laughs> so when Sarah does kiss Bronson... For a moment, they both freeze and you see like the glow that's around Sarah kind of go around Bronson. And for a second, it's like- It kind of looks like she's turning him into a ghost. Oh. Yeah, exactly. She just freezes him in time forever. She takes his soul. Yeah, exactly. She just took his soul. And she disappears <laughs> and you see the look on his face where he's just like, I've been swindled. Yeah. But then uh, Pete asks Bronson, what does a ghost food taste like? And he says, it's like warm apple pie. <laughs> wow. Oh, good one. Jeff. It's like a delicious brawn witch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's what he should have said. It's like a brawn witch. That's true. No, wait. He says, So what's ghost food like, Bronson? Vanilla ice cream. Only better. 
No, the vanilla ice cream line. It's very cute, but it's such a strange thing to end on. It's like vanilla ice cream, only better. Have you ever? And then freeze frame. Have you ever? It's, yeah, it's a little odd. Um, my nostalgia says differently. But uh, it tracks his favorite dessert in episode one, as they mentioned, was oh, yeah. vanilla ice cream with raspberry sauce. Oh, yeah, true. So I take it back. A kiss from a ghost girl is better than vanilla ice cream. I don't think it's been established that it's as good as vanilla ice cream with raspberry sauce. <laughs> I've been kissed by a ghost girl at sunrise. Now, here's an interesting nugget from the credits is that Nell's dad is called Stanley Rickards in the credits and in the book Lighthouse Blues, <gasps> the Stan. lighthouse keeper is called Stan Rickard. Oh, without an S. So that's interesting. Stan and Louise. Stan and Louise and Tom. And Tom. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is probably a good time to talk about the behind the scenes nugget of nugget. the fact that Paul Jennings really wanted to kill Nell in this episode. Damn. Okay. And he was really frustrated they wouldn't let him do that. Why won't you die? When I was reading it, I was confused as to why he felt as though she needed to die for the story to work. How was he going to do it? What was, what was going to happen? Well, then I read the book and I was like, oh, I see what he was going for. Because in the book, Stan. And the lighthouse keeper, he dies when he's trying to stop them from demolishing the lighthouse. He like goes over the edge in a bulldozer over the edge of the cliff. Oh, damn. And then like at the end of the story, the main character, he is the lighthouse music and he goes up to the top of the lighthouse to see that now in addition to the saxophone and clarinet, there's also a violin playing. Which is what he plays. Which is the instrument that Stan used to play when he was young, but now he no longer can because he's got arthritis. But he's a ghost now, so he can play his violin violin again with his fam yeah so i'm assuming that it would have been basically that like nell would have died and come back as a ghost she would the... be reuniting yeah but how would she have died well i don't know maybe she would have gone over the cliff probably in some similar way yeah <laughs> in a bulldozer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nell driving a bulldozer <laughs> in some way to save the lighthouse obviously yeah <laughs> no i'm just imagining her with like a bottle of booze in her hand just like look at me i'm driving the bulldozer <laughs> I'm Mario Andretti. <laughs> Tom holds off the cliff. So I feel like I, I I feel like I see where Esben Storm was coming from in that it would have been pretty depressing to have her die. Yeah, it's not a Disney movie, mate. But I mean, that moment in the book is like pretty emotional at the end, and I was like, mm, man, imagine if we'd like come to know Stan over the course of thirteen episodes. Yeah. Maybe it would have been even more touching. I would have cried even more. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I mean, I from the perspective touching. of them not knowing they were going to do more seasons, like you know, it could it could have worked. Could have worked. Yeah, I can see it. I, I agree. I think it would have worked with Nell dying. I'm not saying I would have preferred it, but I'm a little surprised that the other producers were so steadfastly against it. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends how they killed her. You can have toilet humor, but you can't kill one of the characters. It would fit with the original story. It would have been a good, like, final ending to the show. Yeah. Might have been too sad. I don't think we've had anyone die yet in this show. Yeah, I guess it would have been pretty shocking to, like, to see someone die on screen. Can you use another character? Let let uh, Mr. Gribble be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gribble is reunited with Nell's family. 
Because <laughs> when I was reading the blog post or whatever it was, the diary entry from Paul Jennings, I was like, I hadn't remembered that detail of the original story of like the guy dying. Mm. So I was like, all I remembered was the final episode. And I was like, wait, so why did Nell even need to die at any point? But then I read the story and I was like, oh yeah, that's, I see how that would have worked. I get it. Yeah. Now I feel your frustration, PJ. So anything interesting in these credit scenes? I didn't pay super close attention to them. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, um... I think there was the hot potato with the dynamite. Hot potato, hot yeah, that's potato. the best one. Oh, we get another really good handshake with yeah. Mr. Gribble and Tony. Oh yeah, there's a good handshake. Yeah, there's a scene where like everyone in the lighthouse is like shaking hands with everyone else, like with all the Gribble people. Nell and Matron Gribble shake hands. Oh yeah. Oh, and there's Faye fainting at one point. Oh yeah, they're like, it looks like he's taking her out the front door. So what happened there? Oh yeah, there's the bit with Nell and Linda and Fiona up in the music room for some reason oh yeah there's also nell like try- like fighting off one of the guys with a box of cornflakes i think <laughs> yeah that thing with nell and fiona and linda in the music room definitely seems like a cut scene yeah yeah true because it would have been i suppose it would have been like after Faye and fiona show up to help yeah it could have been like a scene of them going into the music room and being like come on guys stop mucking around yeah stop mucking around <laughs> <laughs> there's also a scene outside where like you see mr henderson is goons walking and like Linda Pete and Bronson come out and like run past them I don't know when that would have happened oh yeah that is I think it looks like it could have been near the start maybe I don't know (laughs) good night (laughs) what mate what in that bit in the bit after the credits where they're like goodbye on the subtitles for Amazon it says good night (laughs) oh yeah it does does say good night (laughs) good night Uh, (laughs) That is more funny than it should be. Daylight. But yeah, that bit also makes it seem like they were expecting this to be the end of the show. Because yeah. it's just like, here's the whole cast saying goodbye. Saying goodbye, yeah. Ta-ta. Well, yeah, I mean, they definitely didn't think it was going to like have more seasons. They thought it was going to be like 13 episodes. Yeah, do we have any like behind the scenes information about this? Like what happened after this season ended and like what the showrunners thought was going to happen? Yeah, I think we, or I don't know if it was one that I shared, but I remember reading an article where they were saying, that like they were surprised by how popular it was and people were wanting another season and they were like oh well what do we do now because the kids are too old fucking old cunts it it took too long for the popularity to kind of manifest itself yeah because it took a while before they aired it and then it seemed like you know the next the following year after it aired is when it seemed like there was like calls to bring it back and they were like oh what do we do now and then they were like what if well i suppose we could just get new kids (laughs) whatever had to eat me kids do we know anything about like did they try to get the original cast back at all um well it was like three years later so bronson would have been heaps older yeah because it was like 1992 i think that they did season two so it would have been like three years later so bronson would have been like a hundred he would have been 13 he would have been 53 (laughs) yeah I, I would like to see what Hampson and Sam look like at that point. Because I feel like they probably still could have played teenagers. Yeah, they could have still played teenagers, I reckon. Yeah. Bronson, it would be sad to recast him, but, you know, they could have gotten away with just recasting one kid. I don't think they would have had to recast him. Like, so what? He, he would have been a little older, but he still would have been young. Yeah, they could have continued it with them being a little bit older. But... Yeah, at least, for, at least for one more season. I think they want somebody cute. They want somebody cute. <laughs> 
I, I just wonder if, like, I would really love to know, like, I mean, Sam and Tamsin did some interviews recently for, like, the anniversary. Yeah. And I, I haven't listened to all of those yet. I've been meaning to. But I don't know if, they, like, anyone asked them, like, what happened after it ended and if they had ever had any interest in coming back. No, I didn't. I haven't listened to any of them. <sighs> Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot one of my notes at the end when um Sarah kisses Brunson and then she disappears. I was like, "Oh fuck, Sarah did a pump and dump." <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, Jesus. To take one of Chris's phrases. She, she never called him again. Yeah. Poor Brunson. <laughs> fuck. All right, edit that in. <laughs> well, Jeremy hinted at the fact that these ghosts come back. No, I said in the next scene, Sarah comes back. Oh, all right, that's right. So don't be getting your hopes up there, mate. That's right. I, at that time, I was very excited. I was like, "Are you saying <laughs> does any of like the arc of this season continue?" No, Nell's family has crossed over to wherever Dead Ned went. Okay, yeah, is where they are now. So they're out of the Dunwick and fully into <laughs> heaven. Out of the Dunwicks. Yeah, they're out of the dead Dunwicks and into the dead. Brunwicks. <laughs> you cretin. You cretin. But yeah, it's funny the recasting thing because when I was a kid, season one and two both already existed when I when I watched it on ABC when I was a little kid. So I just sort of like accepted the fact that sometimes Bronson is this kid and sometimes he's that other kid. Yeah, you kind of just dealt with it. When they when they showed the reruns, were they in order? So you saw the arc or did you just see random episodes here and there? Probably random episodes usually. I think it was random episodes. Like I remember all of like the season one and two episodes the only one that i didn't remember when i first got the dvds was santa claus but i remembered like the pete having a tiny mouth things that seemed familiar so i guess i probably saw all of them mm. well we should do our last reviewing of the season Fuck. yeah i suppose so i haven't picked my 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 unit <laughs> unit <laughs> Unit. Absolute unit. Quit talking about your unit, man. Yeah, Jesus. This is a family show. <laughs> yeah, this is a family show. <laughs> I have so many units that I could use, so I kind of want to go last. I kind of want you to go first so that I know what unit to use. All right, I'm just going to rattle off every unit. How about that? <laughs> well, here we go. <laughs> so I'll, I'll start right off the bat that I rated this a 12 <gasps> out of 13. So I, I could use a different, I could name 12 different units for my rating. Don't use them all up. There'll be none left for us. Okay, fine. On the first day of Round the Twist Viewing. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I thought this was a fantastic episode. And I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's up there. And it's just such a good wrap up. Uh, I love how many references it crammed into previous episodes. It wasn't obnoxious about it. Like all the callbacks were very funny with uh, you know, Mr. Gribble liking his partner's music and Tiger doing his commentary. It was just all funny and all good and emotional. I, I was surprised at the emotion that I got from this episode, and it's very sad to me that this is it. I didn't know I could feel those feelings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to miss this cast. They were great. It was a, a great achievement, I think, to make this whole season of episodes. Just uh, very charming through and through. So yeah, I'm going to give it 12 Horrible, terrible apparitions <laughs> out of 13. Good unit, Jeff. Nice. Thank you. You're an absolute unit. You absolute unit. You're an absolute madman. <laughs> Beat that, motherfuckers. Oh, no. goodness gracious. I'll try. Please don't. 
who's who's gonna review now? I assume Josh was. Oh yeah, I guess when I said I'll try, I guess that means I should go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I assumed that's what you meant. Go on then. <laughs> I just meant in general, but yeah, sure, I'll go. Give us your units, mate. Uh, yeah, I actually don't have much to add to what Jeff said. Pretty much everything that he said, I agree with. Um, I like I don't have a whole lot to say about this episode, but it was very classic feeling in like the best way. Where as like I feel like the very first episode of the show has that classic feeling but it's a little rough around the edges and it's like the show hasn't developed its tone and it's like tight editing quite well enough at that point in my opinion which is why I didn't rate the first episode so highly but I feel like going back to it now I would have a lot more nostalgia for it and would probably rate it higher um but this episode is like a great version of that where it's just like a very straightforward classic version of what this season is um and it's a lot of fun and there there's nothing like super interesting about it like the plot is pretty straightforward and not a lot of the things that happen are like really outrageous or outrageous fortune or like super memorable but just the overall feeling of the episode is just so solid that it just feels, yeah, it just feels like a perfect episode of the show. And I feel like compared to some of my other favorite episodes, like I have no right rating the episode this high because those episodes are better. But just because I haven't done it yet and no one has done it yet, <gasps> I have to give this episode 13. Whoa. Yeah. 13 muesli bars out of 13. <laughs> what a season finale twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> Round the twist. Well, I'm going to nick one of those muesli bars. Oh, my goodness. Leaving you only with 12. <gasps> God damn. Damn it. I was going to use muesli bars. Oh. Well, now my rating is 12. That's fucked. <laughs> Why did you do that? Just trying to keep the scores consistent. <laughs> That's fucked. That's fucked. It's not an objective score by any means, but I really like that was the feeling I had while I was watching the episode. Yeah. I was just like, this is the culmination of everything that I enjoyed about this season of this show. I really have come to absolutely love this show. Good. And Good. this episode really kind of encapsulated that for me. So that's why I'm giving it a 13. Lovely. No, I think that's fair. I, I think it had a different feeling than anything else so far. It just had that great finale feeling to it would you say it's the best finale of a kid show ever <laughs> i don't know what was that what voice was that other than the dinosaurs finale i can't think of anything oh. <laughs> poor dinosaur oh the dinosaurs <laughs> Well, um, if I may. Uh, if I may. No. I also wrote down 13 out of 13. <gasps> You're stealing my score. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a perfect ending to what's been going on. Like Everything's wrapped up in a neat little package. Yeah, like it actually made me cry when I watched it like the first time. I've watched it twice now in preparation. Puckering in preparation. <laughs> Josh. Shut up. <laughs> oh, none of you said it with me. Uh, I didn't realize that's what was happening. But if I did, I, I would. Yeah, I didn't realize you were going with that. But that's great. <laughs> All right, edit this in. Shut, Shut up. up. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I never seem to remember what happens in this episode, like, after it's been a while since I've seen it, which is kind of nice because it's, like, a nice little surprise. Yeah, and it made me cry. Like, I actually was, like, blubber crying, like, sitting at my computer crying at the episode um, for some reason. I don't know, like, are my antidepressants not working anymore or something? <laughs> like, what's going on? But, um, yeah, it just is very emotional. I love Nell and that she gets, like, to say goodbye to everyone. And 
and cute little Sarah ghost just fucking spying on Bronson as if you would. <laughs> as if you would. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, and like Mr. Gribble sort of coming around to not being quite the jerk. Like he he actually has some good in him. And yeah, and everyone's there. Like, except for maybe that girl, Jill. <laughs> I missed her, but everybody was there. I was a little disappointed to not see Jill. Or Hugh Townsend. Th- there were a few. Fuck you, Townsend. Yeah. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you, Townsend. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, like I know, like I thought the vanilla ice cream thing at the end, like that's so cute. And I don't know, I think it must be in my brain somewhere because it was very, it did twig my nostalgia muscle. So yeah, um, so I was gonna give it thirteen out of thirteen. Where's the spectres? <laughs> well, that was a great review, Maz. Now I feel like an idiot going last because I feel like I'm probably just gonna say the same thing that everyone else has said. But That's because it was such a great episode. Yeah, in a way, I'm glad I went last because I kind of wanted to give it 13, but I was worried that everyone would make fun of me if I gave it a fucking perfect score. Well, look, oh, I, I still, still will. <laughs> well, now I'm not going to do it then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel what you're saying, Maz, about forgetting about it because, like, even though, like, going into this, I was like, all right, my what are the episodes I'm looking most forward to? My mentally standout episodes are, like, Skelly on the Dun, uh, Without My pants and lighthouse blues but i kind of realized as i was reading the the book of it i was like i actually kind of don't remember like i remember the general trajectory of the story but i actually don't remember a lot about it so like yeah when gribble decided to come to the twist aid i was like oh yeah that's right what a fucking sick cunt (laughs) absolute madman yeah (laughs) and yeah like the bit in the in the music room where the ghosts show themselves and nell's just like great reactions to all of that is really great and i I gotta admit I also cried when I watched it so maybe my antidepressants aren't working even though I don't have them (laughs) probably why they're not working yeah probably yeah (laughs) you can have some of mine if you if you need them okay good thanks we'll we'll talk later we'll talk after the recording (laughs) well under the table yeah you should just you should just try exercising (laughs) yeah get some sunshine have you tried smiling have you tried looking at the trees (laughs) (laughs) have you tried digging a hole and laying in it Ghost food is the best cure for depression, if you ask me. Yeah, I liked the bit about the spiritual food. Yeah. And I liked the moment where the whole town is singing, singing the song together. I loved that. And yeah, I loved that, like, it did sort of have this feel of, like, it's just, it does kind of feel like the perfect, like, round the twist episode. Yeah. And I feel like because we've done this podcast where we watch the episode, like, multiple times, we watch, like, one episode a bunch of times and then talk about it, I feel like I was, like, way more familiar with the episodes than I've ever been. And I felt like I could really appreciate all of like the callbacks and everything because that was a thing about it that I had forgotten completely was like all the callbacks and the return of (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I was I I did feel like it just felt like this really well made like finale episode like it felt like it could have worked as like a season finale but also it it did definitely feel like they were making like a like a full on end to the show Mm. which is you know would have been nice if they'd never made any other seasons you would at least feel like it had a proper ending to it yeah so yeah i think i'm gonna give it 13 out of 13 cretins <laughs> you absolute cretin now we just have to make fun of jeff for being the only one who didn't give it 13 <laughs> yeah jeff what are you a heartless monster whoa wait a minute i actually just found this uh, muesli bar so i actually have a score of 13 oh shit Josh, i don't know what you have i guess you have 12 oh <laughs> uh, snap we've 
done it. We've done it, guys. What an end to this season of Untwisted. Indeed. I like the character growth. I just want to say, I like to imagine myself as a kid watching this. Like, I would have been blown away by an ending that wraps up the season the way it did. Yeah. I wish I could have been a kid watching this. But you were. <laughs> yeah, this show really does have something to it that I really didn't expect because I, I don't I can't think of any other kids shows that have had like such a cohesive first season. You really think that we would make you guys watch something that didn't have a cohesive first season? <gasps> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have nostalgia for a lot of things. But they're not necessarily as good as this. And I know you guys have like a lot of nostalgia for things that aren't as good as this. So I didn't have any expectation that this was going to be one of those things that was <laughs> as good as this necessarily. Mm. I mean, I knew it was possible, but... <laughs> I was surprised. That was a thing that I, I sort of think that I appreciated more as well. Rewatching it now for the podcast was how like sexy it was, co- cohesive it felt and how they brought all these like unrelated short stories into a season that does feel like a, just a regular season of like a somewhat episodic show with arcs. Yeah. And it does like, it doesn't feel like each episode is set in like another world except for, you know, in birds do when no one mentions the fact that they saw a ghost in the last episode so why can't dragons exist right. <laughs> we'll never forgive them <laughs> but yeah one one thing i can't believe i only just thought about this but one of the things i just thought about when watching this episode that i realized like makes this live action kids show so much better than so many of the live action sitcom kids shows that I watched as a kid is no fucking laugh track. <laughs> There's no laugh track. In the- Imagine how much a laugh track would have ruined this show. Yeah. If this was an American show, there absolutely would have been a laugh track. I don't think they allowed like live action kids sitcoms to not have them. Yeah, true. I'm trying to think of other ones. I'm sure they exist but I'm having trouble thinking of any right now. You know, yeah, canned laughter would have ruined every Bronson line. Yeah. If it was like, yeah, and they're shy, and then the audience goes crazy. Oh. Yeah, that would, have, that would have sucked. Like, what the fuck is this? I don't want to watch this shit. Yeah, I don't know which live-action kids shows I've watched, but they have laugh tracks. I'd never even known it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, other American kids sitcoms but i can't think of any some of them are kind of more like maybe teenage aimed shows but mm. like um fresh prince of bel-air uh, which i do like don't get me wrong i like fresh prince of bel-air yeah. but that has a laugh track and uh sister sister oh yeah it's very like sitcom though like yeah but this show could have been a lot more sitcom with a laugh track yeah true yeah. because they chose not to have one it allows it to have a lot more of that organic feeling to it that i don't remember a lot of live action kid shows at least having that's why i've always liked animated shows so much is because they kind of were able to get away from those conventions of typical shows a lot more mm. oh, yeah that's true never even thought about that i didn't realize they were trying to manipulate you from such a young age with <laughs> laugh tracks Goodness. yeah i think like there are plenty of australian shows i think that have had laugh tracks but i think a lot mm. of the ones that like the kid shows that i watched that were like on abc alongside around the twist i don't think that like any of them really had laugh tracks yeah only shows that had like a live audience would have laughter yeah those like variety show type things yeah uh, 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 amazing but i think there were there were australian sitcoms that had laugh tracks on like network tv and stuff but they were like for the whole family sort of thing yeah like hey dad or whatever hey dad fucking pedophile fucking pedophile <laughs> <laughs> the guy from hey dad was the real pedophile ghost <laughs> 
That would have been funny if he actually played him. You lost me. Yeah, the Americans won't get that reference. Yeah. There was a show that we used to watch in like the 90s, maybe the 80s, I don't remember, but I remember it being on TV and then like in the past 10 to 15 years, um, it turned out that he was like being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) And we're breaking that news here on Untwisted. (laughs) And if you want more info on that, you can listen to our crime mystery podcast. (laughs) Yes. God damn it. (laughs) Well, we should should wrap this up soon, but like, does anyone have any more like good closing thoughts on on the season keep in mind like i think we'll do some bonus episodes after this and we'll probably end up reflecting on the season more in those but anyone have anything they want to say just to kind of wrap up their thoughts on this season uh yeah i would like to say on this season of the podcast i like the narrative arc of josh growing to love round the twist and <laughs> jeff growing to love pete yeah <laughs> that was a good arc i agree i don't know about me and maz i think we stayed the same <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I meant the show, but if we're talking about the podcast, I mean, that's a good point. I've really, this has been great. This has been so much fun. We all kind of grew to love the Gribbles. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I grew to love the show more, even though I already loved it. Yeah. I feel like I have a new appreciation for a lot of elements of the show. Same. It's because we validated you <laughs> instead of just like telling you guys you were idiots the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine if that had happened. And, as opposed to just like watching season one over the course of like two or three days. Is like actually like having an episode, watching it a bunch of times, and then talking about it at length. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a lot of little things that you do appreciate more if you're kind of studying the show rather than just passively watching it. Yeah. And also you guys notice things that I don't. And Mrs. Gribble's performance, I think, is one of those. It's definitely one of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was just something I was watching casually. I might not even notice how truly funny she is. <laughs> yeah. But when you're watching it and analyzing each scene, just her her micro expressions and yeah. Yeah. just her voice voice everything is very funny i think rip in peace she did yes we covered this in episode one yeah i think we said that in the first step that she died yeah i don't i'm sure we did but it <laughs> didn't hit me then like it hits me now mm. damn it yeah this one's dedicated to you judith mcgrath and funny brook and esben storm i guess and esben storm yes oh man r.i.p the lot is oh danny boy <laughs> thank you josh that's beautiful oh danny boy <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk more about that when we do our wrap-up episode for season one. Maybe Hugh Townsend. Oh yeah, R.I.P. maybe Hugh Townsend. His name? Connor. Justin Connor. Justin Connor. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we do now? Social media stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we have any recommendations? No. Not after this. I recommend Round the Twist season one. True. Yeah, Round the Twist season one. And none of the other seasons. <laughs> <laughs> for now, I recommend Round the Twist season one. Yeah. So we have a website now. Uh, <gasps> it's just untwistedpodcast.com Nice. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Untwisted Pod. Join our secret Untwisted Dropkicks group on Facebook. That's like a private group, so you can say whatever you want about anyone, um, unless they're also in the group, and then they'll know what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Email us uh, whether or not this episode made you cry at untwistedpodcast at gmail.com. And the other thing is if you could review us on Apple Podcasts and maybe like share us with people with your friends or people you hate like anyone you think that might enjoy the podcast who loved around the twist that'd be great 
That's me. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> That's me. Did you mention the Discord? Oh, yeah. We got a Discord, guys. You can chat with the stars. The stars of Untwisted. Of the Untwisted <laughs> Podcast. A night with the stars. No, people should definitely, if you've been listening to us and you want to interact with us more, we're always in there. Like, yeah. we will see when you say things and we will chat with you. Yeah. If you want that, you might not want that. You can chat with the Chris. The Chris. Yes, the Chris. <laughs> see memes shared by us. Read about my dating life. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I've made I've made the channel not safe for work just in case. So like uh don't be offended if you join. Yes. That's your own risk that you're willing to take. Yeah, if you join, Chris is gonna say very uncomfortable things to you. He's gonna ask you when you last had sex and all sorts of things like that. But we love him. Yeah. <laughs> we love him. We love that little guy. <laughs> no, we don't. We absolutely do not. Whoa, Jeff. Whoa. Oh my. I can't wait for Chris to listen to this episode. <laughs> That's how we all felt. I'm so sorry, Chris. No, I love you. Of course I love Chris. What a freaking... In fact, I give him 13 uncomfortable questions out of 15. <laughs> going round the twist. We're going, going round the, the twist. twist. Strange going things happen to this family, it seems. Going things that would only the happen twist. in your dreams. I don't know what Josh is doing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and Jeff's just Tony. So you can't really hear it, but I'm dancing like the dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, probably. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Edit one of those out, depending on when this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah, we wish you whatever holiday is happening whenever this episode is released. And if it's not a holiday, then fuck you. Yeah, happy Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> happy President's Day, everybody. Happy 18th of November. <laughs> happy Guy Fawkes. Happy 2022. <laughs> happy 4th of July, everyone. da 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 Oh, I hope not. <laughs> oh man, what what should we all say? What should we say to end this? We should all say goodbye at once, like goodbye. the cast of Round Twist. <laughs> yeah. Good night. I mean, goodbye. Good night. That can be the the bit at the end. That's me sucking my own dick.